Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Hey, Creekwood. I'm so glad that you've joined us for worship today. And man, I want to just tell you, happy 4th of July weekend. And, uh, you know, we are celebrating the just the the great nation that we live in. And I hope that you're getting a grill out or uh, maybe... uh, you are buying some fireworks, and uh, hopefully uh, you live, if you're going to blow them up, you're going to uh, go outside of the city limits. Um, but anyways, um, I know that if you're not from Texas, you may not realize this, we like to blow up stuff. And uh, so fireworks is always a part of Fourth of July. And so again, I love this nation that we live in, and I think we live in the greatest nation on the planet, and we have a lot of a lot of freedoms. One of the great freedoms we have is freedom of speech. And, but really, the, the, the top freedom that I believe we have is the freedom of religion. And so that we get to gather to get together uh, online and worship God and, and uh, be the church that we need to be. And it's, it's just a great freedom that we have. So thank you for joining us this weekend. And, um, you know, I'm excited today about sharing uh, the second weekend of our series uh, there is always more, and uh, but I want to ask you just to, um, to kind of settle things down around you. I know there's probably you're probably yelling at everybody in the family to come on. We're starting church, and uh, you know maybe turn your phones off or whatever, uh, distracting things that are around you. Kind of get everybody settled, and I really believe with all of my heart that God uh, has given me a special word for you this weekend, and. Uh, so I, I, I say that um, for you to really uh, to, to lean in and to listen. And I want us to pray first, and then we'll get into uh, looking again at, at uh, the story of Ruth. And it's just such a powerful story. But w- would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for this weekend uh, that we uh, celebrate this great nation that we live in. We thank you for the freedoms that we have. And Lord, Thank you that we can gather as a church and worship you, God, even though it's online, Lord, we still got our gathering, Lord, and we thank you for that freedom, Lord. And Lord, I pray over these next few moments, Lord, that you would, God, um, speak into our lives, God. God, I've never been able to do this without you. And so, Lord, today I ask you for your anointing. I ask you, God, to speak through me. God, help me today, God. I thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. You know, uh, if you were not here last weekend, we started this series called There Is Always More. And basically what we're doing is looking at the story of Ruth. And uh, it's a beautiful story. And uh, the uh, prophet Samuel wrote this this story in this book, this true story. And uh, there's just so many uh, twists and turns to this this beautiful story. And we're going to look at chapter two today. But you know, a lot of us, when we hear, or you hear me say, with God, there's always more. You're probably thinking, well, that's a little cheesy, or that's like a little, um, uh, possibly even like um, uh, a little bit of false hope. 
when you hear me say that with God, there's always more, that God wants to do more in your life, that it doesn't matter what you've been through, what has happened in your life, that God wants to do more in your life. And what I would ask you to, to do, and just do me a favor, is reserve judgment on that phrase until we get to the end of this book. I know it's easy to kind of judge this and say, well, man, I don't know if I believe that. It's, it's cheesy. It's kind of over the top that we're just being positive. But when you read this story, you begin to see the invisible hand of God and how God works in our life. And uh, just to kind of review a little bit, last weekend we started off talking again about this man named Elimelech. And he had a wife named Naomi. And the name Elimelech means God is king. And uh, Naomi's name actually means sweetness, pleasant. And um, they, they had two sons and, and they lived in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is, is, is the name itself. And that place meant the house of bread. And so there was great significance in them living in Bethlehem. And he made a decision because the Bible tells us there was a famine. And so instead of trusting God, instead of uh, leaning in and asking God, God, what are you saying to me? And what are you trying to show us? Even in the middle of this famine, he up and uproots his family. And they moved to a, a city called Moab, which was a very pagan city. And basically, they walk away from the provision of God. They walk away from this relationship with God. And you know, a lot of us, this is what happens to us is, um, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago, you were a lot closer to God and some things have happened in your life that maybe you didn't understand why. And instead of being patient and seeking God, you just basically said, you know what, I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with God and, and my decisions and my priorities are geared not around serving God. See, God gives us a free will. You and I have a free will. God allows us to make decisions. And Elimelech makes this decision that affects his family. It affects everything about their lives. Because he makes this decision to move away. And what happens is, is that Elimelech, they, they, the Bible tells us they stay there and... Um, uh, Again, it's a, sad, it's a sad part of the story, but basically what he's done is he's taken matters into his own hands. And a lot of us, this is what we do again. And, you know, the Bible reminds us of this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. It says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And again, this is what happens to a lot of us when we are facing a crisis. We begin to try to solve our situation, um, ourselves. The writer of Proverbs also says this. Uh, basically, he's saying, don't take matters into your own hands. He says, trust in the Lord in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So, Basically, what's happened, again, is Elimelech, is, they're in this foreign land. He's, he's died. His two sons have died. And now Naomi and the two daughter-in-laws are left destitute in a foreign country. And uh, again, Naomi's name, remember what Naomi's name means. It means pleasant. It means sweetness. Now she's bitter and she's blaming God for what's happened. 
And she doesn't want anybody to call her a Naomi pleasant sweetness. She is like, you know, don't call me that. Call me bitter. I'm mad at God. And even though you can look back on the story and you can say, well, you know what? Uh, uh, Naomi Elimelech was the one that made those decisions. You know, and a lot of us, where we find ourselves when it comes to our relationship with God, maybe there's some things that have happened and that are causing you to be angry against God or you're bitter and you're like, you know what, I don't understand. And you're kind of waiting to serve God and, until you get answers for what you've gone through. And I want to tell you that we need to remind ourselves that we serve a good God. And there are some things that we're not going to understand until we get to heaven. But Naomi is bitter again. She's angry, but she makes one key decision that changes everything. The key decision that she makes is that she decides, makes this conscious decision to go back to Bethlehem, back to the house of bread. She says, I am going to go back to the place of God's provision. And I love this, this um, the fact that the Ruth 1 starts with a famine. Ruth 1 ends with this fact in, in uh, verse 22. It says, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So to me, it's again, it's so interesting. They left when there was a famine. Now she's made this decision to come back to God come back to her relationship with God. See, again, I, I, I want to clarify that because so many of us, listen, God doesn't walk away from us, but God gives us a free will and we, we have a choice whether we serve God or not. We have a, a decision. Do I want to walk in the place of God's provision? And they come back to this, this town called Bethlehem in it's, it's incredible how shocked people are when they walk in. And you imagine Naomi and her, her two daughter-in-laws walking into town and they're shocked that she's back and what's happened to her. And she's like, just call me bitter. And, but you know what? She doesn't care because all she wants to do is be back in the presence of, of God's provision for her life. And this is where we pick up in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And we're going to come back and talk about Boaz, but let's say Boaz together. I love saying that name. Um, that's a great name if you're looking for a name for your son, Boaz. Isn't that like a tough sounding name? When you find out what his name means and what kind of man he was, you're going to want to name your son, Kendall. Uh, hint, hint. I know, Kendall, you're watching uh, Pastor Kendall's and his wife are going to be having a baby boy soon. And I know they're looking for a name. Maybe Boaz is the name. But um, uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, I love this, this, this verse, but I also love the way the message starts. The message version says this. It says, it so happened, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, again, it says, It so happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage, a man prominent and rich connected with Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. And if you underline uh, or you are taking notes today, I want you to just write that, that phrase down. It's, it so happened. It so happened 
In other words, it's almost like the writer's telling us that it's almost like a coincidence that Naomi has a relative. Um, and, and again, this phrase is important. This, it just so happens. It's, it, it's an important phrase because it introduces us to God's primary way of working in our lives. It also introduces us again to God's primary way of supernaturally working in our lives. See, we have a tendency a lot of times to view God's supernatural work in our lives only occurring through miracles. But I want to show you, and and again, a miracle is, is basically, it's where God inserts himself supernaturally into a situation and either suspends or accelerates the natural laws of our existence to accomplish what would not otherwise happen. In other words, he parts the waves. He heals somebody. He raises somebody from the dead. That's a miracle. God supernaturally causes something to happen that would not normally happen. But let me suggest to you that the way God most often works his supernatural power in our lives is through what theologians call providence. And providence basically is where God takes the seemingly normal activities and decisions of people all around us and he uses them and directs them to bring about his will and the blessing of his people. In other words, um, what God is doing right now, and, and you, you begin to think about this, that, that every believer, all of us as believers, God is working through situations, and, and things are not just like happening. God is directing things in our lives. And so in other words, God's purposes are always on purpose. So when you see the phrase, it just so happens, it means God is, the, the prophet Samuel's wanting us to understand is that this is the way God works. God is placing her in this, this place because God is going to bless her. And, and I want to show you again, um, this because it's important for under, us under, to understand, again, what the invisible hand of God looks like in our life. I can think of so many times in my own life where um, I know I was in a place that, that God put me. I think back of, of my years working at Walmart. A lot of y'all have heard me talk about working at Walmart. When I was in college, I worked at Walmart and I worked there for four years, and man, I had the little vest, the, the, the badge, the whole thing. I was the coolest Walmart person ever, and I, and, uh, I was the, the guy that got the shopping carts. And, you know, um, to be honest with you, there were a lot of moments that I was very bitter against God because I had to work, and other friends weren't working in college, and uh, I hadn't had an opportunity to be able to preach or even hardly pray in front of anybody I was working full-time to pay my way through college. But I got real stubborn about trusting God, and I said, God, I trust you in this moment. You gave me this job. You called me to go to college, and I'm going to trust you. Do you know that I met my wife getting shopping carts? 
I was getting shopping carts at Walmart and the most beautiful woman in the world walked in and we locked eyes and I was in love. And you can say, well, that was just coincidence. No, I believe God put her in that moment for my life. See, it's, it's what, what you see over and over. It's the invisible hand of God working in your life. You know, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. I love the way Psalms puts it. Psalms 37, 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in his, in every detail of their lives. And I think that's just so, so important that God delights in, in ordering our steps so I, I want to make, make it clear to you that it's important for you to be in the place of provision, that, that you serve God and, and, and seek God, allow him to guide your steps. God cares about every detail in your life. And uh, listen to what uh, Ruth 2, 2 says, one day Ruth the Moabite, and this is where the story starts really to get good. It says, one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. And basically, uh, Naomi's, you know, her and um, her mother-in-law, they're, they're there and uh, man, they don't have anything. And she says, let me go to these fields. And let me just pick up scraps. And this is what she does. And what I want you to notice something, and this again is so, so rich. It's God is at work, but Ruth is also at work. A lot of times what a lot of us do is we want God to do something for us and God to work in our lives, but we're just going to sit around. I've met so many people that they're like, man, I, I'm just waiting to get in the ministry. I'm waiting for some church to hire me or whatever. And you're not involved. You're not serving. And I, I would just encourage you to be faithful at whatever it is that God gives you. And she's out working and God is working. In verse 3, it says, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it, there it is again, as it happened, in other words, it so happened she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law Elimelech. In other words, she didn't know what field she was at. She didn't go try to find Boaz's field, but it just says, as it happened. Again, this is the hand of God working behind the scenes. It's not a coincidence. And um, it, it goes on to, to um, tell us that she finds herself in the field of Boaz. Now, let me just stop and talk to you a little bit about Boaz. Who was Boaz? Uh, what's so great about Boaz? You remember in, in uh, verse one of chapter two, it says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. What's a worthy man? It means he was a dude's dude. This guy was the man. He was um, a man of war. He was a valiant man uh, on the battlefield. He was a man of wealth. He was very, very wealthy. 
He was a man of wisdom and he's a man of worship. And what you're going to see even on um, uh, later on in, in the, these verses in the story is that he's a kind man. He's gracious. He's generous. This is the guy. Single ladies, listen to me. This is the kind of guy you want to marry. I need all the single ladies to listen up. And if you were in, we were like in the auditorium right now, I'd have you raise your hand because like, uh, um, you need to hear me when I say this. This is the kind of man you want to marry. You don't want to settle. Um, again, um, so many singles, single ladies, I'm specifically kind of speaking to you because what happens is a lot of times is, Again, like Elimelech, we, we don't understand that you're like, man, I, want to, I just want to get married and I'm dreaming of a wedding. I don't care who I marry, I just want a wedding. And you, you're like, I'll date anything with two legs. And you're settling and you're, you're, you are um, uh, settling for just anybody. And I'm just going to tell you, you need to wait for your Boaz. You need to wait for that, that Boaz, that, that worthy man in your life. You know, a lot of us, again, uh, and I found this on the internet, uh, internet um, uh, that, that Boaz actually has a family tree. And Boaz, you spell it B-O-A-Z. Everybody say again, Boaz. Boaz has a family tree, and if you're not careful, you'll settle, and you won't wait around for your Boaz. And again, uh, some of his relatives that he has, that a lot of you, maybe these are the kind of guys that you're going to want to marry, or maybe you've dated. There's broke-ass, there's poaz, there's lion-ass, there's cheating-ass, there's dumb-ass, and there's drunk-ass. Don't go out with that guy. There's cheap as. Turn to somebody and say, I dated him. There's locked up as, good for nothing as, lazy as, and especially his third cousin, beating your ass. Wait on your Boaz and make sure he respects your ass. If y'all were here, I know y'all would be laughing like you're probably on the floor right now when I saw this of the family tree of Boaz, I was like, oh my word, this is what a lot of people do is they don't wait on God. And listen to what um, the story goes on. Verse four, it says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, again, who are the reapers? They are his employees and he's the CEO and he, he pulls up and uh, he's got his Yukon Denali and he pulls up and, and um, he says, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Let me ask you, does your boss do that? He actually, this is the kind of man he is. And he walks up and, or drives up and he gets out of his car and, and he says, God be with you. And they, they, they send a blessing back to him. He, this is the kind of guy who cares about the spiritual well-being of the people that work for him. 
And um, again, he notices this woman in verses five through nine. It says, then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is a young woman from Moab who came back from Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes, rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, and watch how he responds to her. He's very, very kind. Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. When you gather grain, don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young men working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. And I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. This is the first sexual harassment policy in all of Scripture. In other words, he gets all these guys together and he says, you need to leave her alone. And he says, if you touch her, I have a lot of fields and they will not be able to find you. So what you see is that this man has got, um, he's, he's a godly man. He doesn't have ulterior motives. He's not like looking how pretty she is and thinking, hey, uh, I want to get some kind of favors from her or whatever. This is all about this man is a godly man and he's protecting her. Again, this is the hand of God. In verse 2, it's 10, it says, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I'm only a foreigner. She asked a great question. And she's like, why, why are you doing this? And single ladies, when you're dating somebody and they're doing a bunch of nice things for you, you need to ask a question. Why are you doing this? Is this because you're thinking you're going to like get some kind of special, you know, sexual favor or whatever? Do you really care about me? And again, um, verse 11, it says, Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done from your mother-in-law. And this is where you kind of see why he's doing it. Yes, she's a beautiful woman. And listen to me, guys, single guys, yes, it's important for you to be attracted physically to a the woman you want to date, but that's, that's not the most important thing. What he's attracted, what he likes about her is her character. He noticed and knows about how, what kind of woman she is. And it says, yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the day, death of your husband. I have heard now how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. And again, I, I want you to notice something, that he is uh, a man of God. He's, he's, he's interested in her because of her character. And you see this... Uh, you're going to see later on in the story, they, they end up getting married, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. But you, you kind of get some insight of what a courtship ought to look like, what it looks like when you start to date. And, and, and again, there's questions have got to be answered. And again, uh, you see that he's looking, looking at her, and he, uh, uh, he sees her character, and, you know, um, you begin to go along and you jump through some of these chapters and you're going to begin to see 
how God uses Boaz to bless her. And he tells the, 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 the employees to leave a lot of grain. And she, by the that same night, she has gathered, gathered um, not, um, not five pounds uh, of grain, not 10 grams, but 50 pounds of grain. This is a blessing of God. And um, again, this is the hand of God. And you're watching the invisible hand of God and she goes back to Ruth and read this when you have time in, in uh, Ruth uh, 2.17. Um, and she shows her all the grain. And um, it's, it's really incredible to see that uh, Naomi is like, where in the world did you get all of this grain? And she's shocked. And, and again, um, I love this story because you see how God's hand is guiding Ruth through the life of Naomi's decision to go back to God. And I, I just want to encourage you to, to make the decision wherever you're at to understand that the greatest place that you can be is to serve God. The greatest place that you can be is in the place of provision. To walk with God. To seek God. To stay in God's Word. To continually walk before God and say, God, I surrender my life. God, I, and you see this over and over. This, this, it, it so happens. It so happens that she ends up in the right field. It so happens that Boaz pulls up again on the day that she's there and that the head employee knows who she is and he, she tell, he tells Boaz about her and it so happens that they're related, they're, they're related through Naomi. It so happens that he blesses her with all of this grain. This is the hand of God. And I, I, I want to give you these, these three things if you want to write this down as, as I kind of wrap this up today. But again, what I really want you to hear me is, is that God cares about you and God wants, God is a good God. And there's going to be things in your life that you're not going to understand. You're not going to understand it till you get to heaven. But I want to encourage you, number one, wherever you are, whatever you've done, the best thing you can do is come home to God and be in the place of his provision. It doesn't matter what you've done or how you've taken matters into your own hands. Come back to God. Number two, God cares about you. He cares about your life. God is a good God. Why did God help Ruth and Naomi? Was it because they were perfect people? No, because they weren't. They were people that were in need. And the invisible hand of God worked behind the scenes. Number three, God is at work even if you can't see it. And, you know, we can't earn God's favor. God loves us. God wants us to serve him. And we have the free will to put ourselves in the right places at the right times and allow God to guide our steps. You know, today, when you, when you think about your life, and again, I don't know where you find yourself, what's going on in your life, and um, maybe you're, you're in, the, in the place that, that 
Naomi was at where she had to make a decision to say, you know what, I'm, I, I need to get back with God. I want to encourage you today to make that decision and begin to move towards God and watch His invisible hand work behind the scenes. There are going to be things you don't understand and there are going to be places. And again, some of you, maybe it's, it's when it comes to relationship and you're single and you're like, man, I, I, I want to trust God. Maybe it's with your family. And um, again, it doesn't matter what you've gone through in your life. God, God wants to bless you. But the important thing is to say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the way that you work in our lives, God. God, I thank you that you are a good, good God. And God, you care about us. God, may we all be reminded, God, to trust you and to know that your invisible hand is at work in our lives, God. Father, we thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.